if you're out checking your kids in or you're getting coffee, continue. But we're going to go ahead and get started. It was one of those mornings as the worship team was going that I looked down at my clock and I went, wow, they're going through worship set really fast this morning. We're going to be ahead. And we were. Thankfully, that was God's timing. That was just simple God's faithfulness to say, I've made space. And so that's how one of the ways we can stand and we can know that God is moving. It's listening and standing and giving us a reason to stand. It also reminds us sometimes when we hear other people and what they're going through to stop having a pity party on ourselves and go, you know what? It could be worse. It could be worse. God, thank you. Thank you that you've given me health. Thank you that my my family is healthy. But when we pray and we stand in the gap, what we're also saying is, as Pastor Teresa said a while ago, we're standing in alignment with you. You're not going to battle anymore by yourself. But we're here, and as worshipers, I'm stepping in front of you. And I'm saying, there's no enemy going to attack you without having to come through me first. I'm stepping into alignment. That's what as believers, that's our job. That's our job is to step in front, to to look at our city and say, you know what? I'm sick and tired of Ardmore being in the top 10 on the FBI's crime rate. How does that change? It ain't by the police department. It's not by the sheriff's department. It's not by the National Guard moving in. It's by the church being who she was called to be. Stepping into the highways, the byways. Stepping in and saying, you know what? Yes, we need our officers. Yes, we need these people as part of our society. But as the job of the church... Christ called us and told us to go out and proclaim, to set the captives free. That's our job. And as we as the church truly find out who we've been called to be, what our destiny is, then we'll see things begin to happen. I mean, looking at Dennis's brother-in-law, and you could say, man, God's faithfulness has not worked because he's still battling this cancer. The enemy's big. And there's an aspect of of faith and healing that takes our part to interact. It takes me personally interacting with that to see the fullness of. But the faithfulness of God, even in his life, to see the one thing, and really and truly from what I know, that was the one thing he was really praying for. This man was truly praying, not even necessarily praying for complete healing in his body, but he was praying, God, help me to walk my daughter down the aisle. And in the faithfulness of God, even in in his inability to truly see the full blessings of God, because so often we say, oh God, don't, don't do that for me because somebody else needs it worse than I do. We gave food away last Tuesday at Crystal Rock. More food than I've seen in a long time. I mean, they would unload pallets and they'd set it down. And it was like, all of a sudden, like, oh, we're almost done? But no, Jesus was praying over the loaves and fishes. 
And all of a sudden, you hear this beep, 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 and you see the forklift start up again. You're going, oh my gosh, haven't we already given away like all the food? And it just kept coming and coming and coming. That was awesome. There were people that came through that line. I was stuck with traffic control. So I'm in the parking lot. I'm the second person that tells them when they're coming out of the parking spots where to go. I've never feared for my life. People kept saying, you better be careful. I said, well, my life insurance policy's up. My wife will be even probably happier. You know. But people were crazy. There you go. The curb checks were unreal as well. Because they were focused on one thing. And they didn't care who was in their way, who they cut off. They were getting in line. Then they would get up to the front and they would say, you know, how many people are in your family? And they'd say, oh, there's, there's six of us. Just, just give me one box. And these boxes were, were good-sized boxes, but they weren't that big. And he said, well, hey, I tell you what, how about I give you two or three boxes? Oh, no, 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 no. Somebody else is going to need it. And I said, look at the pallets. Look at the pallets of food that we have. Your needs can be met right now. God has supplied the food that you have need of. Oh, but no, give it to somebody else that needs it worse than I do. Are you needing food? Yes. Then take what's been available to you. So often we say, and this is not even anywhere, I don't even know anyone. We're we're rolling, we're going. The healing that you're asking for, the, the freedom from addiction that you keep asking God for, And you keep saying, God, I know you're busy. I know there's somebody else that needs it worse than I do. I know that somebody else is sicker than I do. I know that somebody else's marriage is worse than mine. I know that somebody else's job situation is worse than mine. But if you can find time in your day, could you just throw me a crumb? That's not who my God is. And I'm wanting you to realize Scripture says to make your petitions known. It didn't say make your partial petitions known. Jesus will put it in his day journal, and he'll see if he can get to you at some point in his lifetime. That's not how God works. His faithfulness is that when you ask for something, he responds. He responds in that moment, and that moment that you get an answer that says... What you don't want it to say, we give up and we go, okay, well, I knew I wasn't supposed to have that, and I stopped. How many times have my kids come and said something to me and said, hey, can we go do this? And I say, no. And they're like, okay, fine. And they're gone. They didn't even stop to hear me say, no, because we're doing this right now, but I can take you there afterwards. I'll go get that later. All they hear is no. And we stop and we say, okay, I knew that was going to be the answer. God may be telling you no, but his no today is not always a no for tomorrow. When he's saying no, he sees the broader picture. He sees what's going on around the world. He knows the alignment that has to happen for you to see the true glory of God. So when no, we go, okay, God, thank you, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, God, whatever, and we back off. 
Instead of hearing and saying, okay, God, I know you said no. But I'm sticking here to hear out what the rest you're saying. Instead of getting our feelings hurt and saying, I knew God wasn't a God that heals. That violates his word. To even believe that God doesn't heal just because we haven't seen it violates his word. Because he is the healer. That is part of his name. Names are of value, especially to God. The names that we pick for our kids, we didn't just go off whatever name we wanted it to be. We asked God, Lord, who have you called my daughter to be? Who have you called my son to be? Because I want their calling, we would say, what they've been called to do or their destiny to line up with what we identify them as. That's why so often you see names in the Bible and you go look them up and you're like, wow, that was a bad name. Don't ever name your kid that. Because names came out of a heart of what was going on around them. Jesus is telling you today that I am the healer. And I'm not just the healer of the physical, I'm the healer of the emotional. I'm the healer of your relationships. I'm the healer. Even though we don't see that with our physical eyes, doesn't mean that that's not who he is. I haven't physically seen Jesus stand right here in front of me. But with my spiritual eyes, I see Jesus when I stand on this platform and I look out into your eyes. Why? Because you carry the presence of God. You carry Jesus on the inside of you. Yes, we would say this building is sanctified. But Jesus didn't come to the earth to find habitation only in the room. And he says, you have to come here to worship. You carry Jesus. So if you carry Jesus, you're carrying the healer. If you carry Jesus, you're carrying the one that has laid hands on the sick. You're carrying the very one that told Lazarus to wake up and get out of the grave. You're, you're carrying the very presence of God himself on the inside of you. So the healer's already there. It's time for us to believe what Scripture says. It's time for us to believe and say, you know what, God? Even though I haven't physically experienced some aspect of Jesus, your word says. I was listening to a video somebody posted this week. Uh, and it was, a, it was a live, I think it was a women's conference. It was on Facebook. It popped up on my feed. And I, I kind of was paying some attention to it. And this, this speaker said... When you pray that it is written, you know the parts in the Bible where it says it is written? When you pray the it is written parts of the Bible, it doesn't return void. Think about that. We go so often into these moments and we try and make up these glorious prayers. And we sit in the room and we try to be eloquent with our words because we're here to impress God at how big my words can be. But if we would simply go back to Scripture, I started a Bible study this morning on you version on the it is written. I want to understand more. I want to understand the it is written parts. Because I'm determined to begin to stand and believe the exact words God's spoken. 
If I can stand on what he said, those are the words that accomplish something. Those are the words that, that go out and don't return void. It's standing even in our minds on the it is written. Why do you say that? Because I'm reminding not only the atmosphere around me, I'm reminding myself what I'm praying. This ain't words that I've made up. These are words from the very throne of God. These are His words. So what you need to start doing when you're praying for your family, when you're praying for your relationships, when you're standing and believing for healing, Lord, I thank you that today your word says, it says, it is written. And begin to say those things. You can go to our friend Google, and you can type in, it is written scriptures. Really easy to go find them. And start looking them up. Read them. Take one of those. Plaster it to your mirror. Plaster it on your home screen of your computer. Begin to put that on the inside of you. Because you can only pray and be effective when you pray God's word. When you begin to pray and simply just begin to read it. It was also written, Luke 24, 47. That this message would be proclaimed in the authority of his name and to all the nations. Beginning in Jerusalem, there, there is forgiveness of sin for all who repent. What did that say at the beginning? It was also written. I can stand that. I can begin to stand there and say, I don't have to ask. God, is, your, is it your will for everyone to be saved? I can go in and I can say, Lord, I thank you that your word says it is written there is forgiveness of sins for all who simply repent. So I can go out into the highways, to the byways, to the streets. I can go to A Street, B Street, C Street. I can go and meet all these people in their homes or on the street. And I can look them in the eye. And I can say, I know beyond the shadow of a doubt, God has a plan and a purpose for you. Because it's written. That simply through repentance, Jesus moves in. Go in and look up these things that it is written. What it's time for us as believers to do is to be able to begin. There we go. To be united. What the church needs is to be united. And yes, we can take it so many directions. To be united within the four walls. To be united within the community, within the city. To be united in our homes. But what we need to be effective in our community is for the church. Denominations. To be united. Now, united doesn't mean the same thing we all think united means. In agreement, in one accord. When they were in the upper room and they went into being into one accord, into one mind, one likeness, did all of a sudden they start looking like each other? Did they start acting like each other? Did they come in wearing the same Gucci whatever? Did they come in wearing all the same things? No. They were different. Being in one accord, in one accord being united doesn't always mean sameness. We don't have to look the same. Thank God we don't look the same. I don't want my wife looking like me. You don't want my wife looking like me. But there's the beauty of being in one accord, but having differences. To being different, to having different stories. 
to going out, even as we're going to do this evening. And as we go in and we hit Central Park, and as we stand there and we begin to do what other people have already done and gone before us, stand in that park in a centralized part of our city and proclaim Jesus. Others have gone before us. But what, the, what we need is the differences of our stories. Because my story doesn't always bring everybody to Jesus. The story of always going to church, even when I didn't want to. Always my parents waking me up and telling me, we're going to church. And I knew there was no question in that. There was no, we're going to church, do you want to go? No, it was a directive order. We're going to church. So really and truly, I never thought of anything else. Sundays were always what you did. When I was younger, Sunday nights, when you came back in, and we were all exhausted because everybody ran home and tried to do nothing for an hour and turned right around and came back to church. That's just what you did. You didn't think anything different. It was just what you did. What God's trying to say is your story. Maybe the times that you didn't go to church. Maybe the times that that things didn't always happen right. There's people in our society that need to hear the revelation of your story. That's where we get united. That's where unity comes into play. Is saying, you know what? I can't, I don't know where you've been. But you know what? This person does. Let's hear their story. Giving place for people to tell their story is where unity comes from. Is where unity begins to happen. And to see a true awakening in our city. It comes from us being willing to say, Jesus loves you. And there's a whole lot of churches in this community that believe Jesus is the only way to heaven. That believe what Jesus did was was good enough. It was perfect. And so maybe today and tonight, you talk to somebody. And you say, you know what? Jesus loves you. And I'm praying and believing because of some of the things I'm spiritually seeing that's going to be happening. That you're going to have an opportunity to tell your story to somebody that doesn't know Jesus. And you're going to give them that opportunity. And they're going to say, yeah, but I don't always believe the way I'm seeing you believe. Y'all are kind of weird. But what is the church? The church says, that's fine. But you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to find you somewhere to connect. I'm going to find you another building, group, that you can connect with to be who you've been called to be. We have to be good with that. Because, yes, I feel my personal feelings, partly because all of my blood, sweat, tears, everything is here. We're the best. I mean, that's just the way I feel. But you know what? I'm okay. You have to be okay serving open-handed. Because they're not ours. They're his. We're stewards of what he gives us in the season that we've given them. Or he's been given. They've been given to us. Just like with you. We have to be good. Sometimes it means taking off a fence that we got at another building, another community, another group. And saying, you know what, today it's not about my offense. It's not about my offense. Because sometimes we interpretate our offense through our own glasses. Not always what's actually happened. 
So what is, what is united for a purpose really mean? Let's look at 1 Corinthians 1. I appeal to you, dear brothers and sisters, by the authority of our Lord Jesus Christ, to live in harmony with each other. Let there be no divisions in the church. Rather, be of one mind, united in thought and purpose. Now, we can take this, and that's where we're going with this, is taking it to the church, the capital C church. We've got to be unified. But I want to take it, I want to, I want to focus in a little bit deeper. Let's go to your house. Now, let's read this according to looking at it at your house. I appeal to you, dear brothers and sisters, by the authority of our Lord Jesus Christ, to live in harmony with each other. Let there be no divisions in your house. Rather, be of one mind, united in thought and purpose. Think about it from that perspective. Yeah, the church is great. But, but if it really gets down to it that, that we are the church, the body, that means we've got to be in unity in our homes. There needs to be harmony in our homes. That doesn't mean there's not going to be disagreements. But we can have a disagreement and still be in harmony. We can be in unity and not look identical. So there can be things that happen because there's ideas that I have in our home that are different than what my wife has. My priorities and what we need in our new home can be different than the priorities that she has. So there can be some discussion. Is that bad? No. It's the level that you take it to next. It's okay to go through and to to have discussion. It's okay even in the moment. Hear me out, because we've all been there. If you're married, been married, there's those moments where you go, I'm going for a walk. And what are you talking about, little girl? <laughs> I lost all train of thought. <clears throat> let, let, let's look at this word divisions. That's a big one. That's a big one. The word divisions. The word divisions in the Greek means a split, a division, a schism, a ripping. Or tearing apart. We don't need divisions in our home. Our kids need to see, you know what, that mom and dad can have a disagreement, but in the end, they're back together and they're sitting on the couch cuddling. That's what they need. That's what they need from us as adults. To be able to realize, you know what, I may be wrong, you may be wrong, but in the real scheme of things, this is not the end. This is not the thing that's going to that's going to break us and tear us apart. What the scriptures are saying is you need to be so in love with Jesus that no matter the physical emotion that you have that the tearing apart is unacceptable. That you're going to do everything within your power to say, "You know what? You're not tearing us apart." There are seasons that come and seasons that change and seasons that you have to say, you know what, I'm stepping back when it comes to the church and I'm reevaluating where we're at. There's nothing wrong with that. Because if we serve with open hands, then we say, God, you move us to where you want us to be so that we can be who you've called us to be. 
and that your kingdom advances, not mine. We have to be good with that. When Christians engage in divisions, they're tearing the bar apart the body of Christ. Think about it this. What kind of testimony are we saying when the divorce rate in the church is as great or greater than outside the church? Why would I want to come to a church? You're telling me it's going to bring healing, but it brings divorce. It brings separation. It brings pain. If we're all being real in some way, shape, or form, we've all been hurt by the church. And it stinks. It stinks. But we've got to get to a point at some point in our lives that we grow up. And we say, you know what? It's not about me anymore. It's about the goodness of the Father. It's about us joining together in unity and pushing forward the kingdom, pushing forward Jesus and seeing the crime rate in Ardmore be better than the crime rate in Lone Grove. Lone Grove is rated number two in the, in the state. Ardmore, I couldn't even, we were in the bottom of the state. Why? I'm pinning it partly on the church. Because we've gotten into a fight back and forth. And we've begun to abuse ourselves. Instead of kicking the enemy's butt. We've got to step up and be who we've been called to be. John 17. I am praying not only for these disciples, but also for all who will ever believe in me through their message. I pray that they will, they will all be one, just as you and I are one. As you are in me, Father, and I am in you. And may, may they be in us so that the world will believe you sent me. How do we tell the world? It's unity with Jesus. And when we're in unity with Jesus, we're in unity with the Father. And when we're in unity with Jesus and the Father, we're in unity with the Spirit. It's because of the unity. And these were Jesus' words. Another one that you can pray. The ones when you have the King James Bible and they're the ones in the red. Most of those you can begin to stand on and believe. I won't throw everything because I don't know what every translation puts in red all the time. But you can stand on these things. If God said it, you can believe it. If God said it, you can go there. I have given them the glory you gave me. So they may be one as we are one. I don't understand the depth of that verse right there. I started doing some research last night. Going, okay, God, you just said, I've given them the glory that you gave me. Think about it. God gave Jesus this glory. And Jesus, who conquered, who conquered death, hell, and the grave, then said, here, this is yours. If we even begin to kind of comprehend what is the depth of that, we can, we can see mountains move. We can see chains be broken. We can see people that try to rise up against us flee the other way, not because of us, 
but because of Jesus, it's on the inside of us. When we begin to understand. So I'm asking you, I'm giving you an assignment. I want you to go dig into this verse. I am so curious what you find, what you see, write it down, email me, text me, whatever. I want to know what it is that you see when you read this scripture. Because there's something that we can unlock in this scripture by understanding what Jesus had and what he said, I freely give you. What, what does that glory mean? What is, the, what is the whole encompassing thing when it says, I've given them the glory that you gave me? And we're going to dive into more into that because there's a key there. There's a key that unlocks level two or level three. Or it's a, it's a fast elevator to level 20. I don't know. But if we can begin to grasp what God's telling us in there, there's nothing that can stop us. I am in them and you are in me. May they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. It's in the unity that he's saying, God, I know that you love me. But because of me, you love them just as much as me. You're not second fiddle. You're not just on the outside, oh, I wish I was like Jesus. The love the Father has for Jesus is the same love that he has for you. So why downtrod, oh, my soul? Why are we walking around less than? Why are we walking around feeling this way? He just said, the Father, the God that created the heavens and the earth, time itself, looks down from heaven and says, I love you just as much as I love Jesus. That glory, that, that key to the kingdom, that power that gives us the power over death, over hell, and over the grave because of what Jesus did gave us access to stand and believe what Scripture says. It's our unity that brings those outside the church to salvation. You can't say enough. You can't speak enough. You can't sing loud enough. You can't do enough other than showing the world that we are in unity. That I'm willing to share this glory that God's given us. That it's not just about me, but it's about the pieces of the puzzle fitting in tightly together. It's that finished work. I watched my wife and mom and whoever else was helping them during the great snow apocalypse several months ago. And they got this thousand-piece puzzle, and it was ridiculous. I'm like, that's too much for me. I'm not even messing with that one. And the pieces were small, and they were scattered. Some were right side up, some were upside down, some were backwards, some were facing the wrong way. It was a pile, a big pile of just a mess. And you're like... I know there's supposed to be outside pieces in there, and those are the ones that have the flat side, you know, on the outside, and they, they make a, a rectangle or a square, or they make whatever, but I can't see them. Why? Because they were unidentifiable. Because they were one was on top of each other, and one was underneath another, and one was this way, and one was that way, and you couldn't see clearly. So what, what do you have to do? You have to begin to go in and take one piece out and begin to move them. Sometimes it looks like you're wasting time. 
Well, why am I putting this over here if I know it's going to be on this side? God, why, why am I picking it up and I'm moving this piece over here for you to say, when we get down to it, that piece belongs over here? There was a reason. They were unidentifiable. They looked like a mess. But once you begin to separate the pieces out to where they were laying right side up, even, one layer, then all of a sudden you went, huh, that's a corner piece. Oh, here's a corner piece. You put them here, you put them here, and you get your four corners out. And you celebrate the moment. Why? Because you found the four corners. And then all of a sudden you go, everything begins to see, you begin to see clearly. That's a straight piece. Okay. And so then you take the straight pieces. Well, this is how I would do it. You take the straight pieces and you put all the straight pieces over here. And you get the straight pieces all in their group. But why do you keep moving them? Because there's a reason. Because to be able to see clearly, I have to clear out the board. I have to make it where it's all one level, where it's seen clearly, so that then I begin to put the pieces where the creator of the board positioned the pieces to be. Sometimes being moved and positioned, you feel like you're going backwards. But you're being moved and positioned to be in the right spot, at the right time, for the right season. Because the creator of the puzzle board says, your puzzle piece goes right here. And then all of a sudden you go, I've never felt so alive. Why? Because I'm, I'm connected with the person on my left and the person on my right. Now, because I'm connected with the right fit, you can begin to pick up three and four pieces at a time because they're connected together. Why? Because they've been created to fit just perfect. That you can then begin to pick them up and you move them as a group. Or you slide them as a group. Then all of a sudden the group gets bigger. Why? Because God has a plan and a purpose for what feels like a mistake in your life. God's positioning you for a blessing. God's positioning you for his best. God's putting you in times and places and seasons that you go, I don't know why I'm here. When we made a transition 11 years ago, and we started going to Sherman, to Victory Life in Sherman. And I was invited to go, and I've told the story, and I meant it with everything was within me. They had Saturday night service. How ungodly is that? And they invited me to service. And I said, I tell you what, it's also football season. I said, I'll give you one Saturday night, and I'll go to church with you. But don't expect me to go back again. Sundays are church day, not Saturdays. So I went one time. And for a year, year and a half, I went 99.95% of Saturdays to Sherman. Going, God, why? We sat in the audience. We did nothing but sit there. You don't understand. I can't sit and do nothing. It eats at my inner soul. To sit here and say, everybody else do it, I'm just going to sit here, was crazy. But I knew for me in the season, it was a season of healing. It was a season of taking what my thought patterns were how church was supposed to look like and going, okay, let's take the puzzle piece, let's flip it over, and we'll put you right here for a season. For a year and a half. And we went, why am I driving to Sherman? 
I've got a brand new baby girl. The drive homes are like riding through hell itself. I love my daughter. I love you. But I was so sick and tired of hearing a kid cry and scream in the car. I'm driving my hands like this so that your shoulder begins to throb. Because the only way she's quiet is if she's touching my hand. Why is my puzzle piece over here? There has to be somewhere else better to be. And God said, this is where I want you for the season I have you. And all of a sudden, one day, puzzle piece was picked up. And now I was positioned on the other side of the board. And we started having Sunday night life group. Upstairs in a house a million miles from town. Okay, God, I'm good with this. I'm excited. I can remember having the first dinner up there. I can remember setting up the, the TV. Durant gave us their old soundboard. Their soundboard was as wide as this platform. It was a 72-channel soundboard. I had three mics and a piano. <laughs> I mean, come on, we were a little overkill there. But the puzzle piece was over here to a point that we went, okay, God, we're never going to get to this next out here in the middle of nowhere. God, why is my puzzle piece over here? All of a sudden, the puzzle was picked up again, or the piece. And now we were positioned on the inside of the board to the shotgun building. You've heard the story. The bathrooms that had no heat nor air. In the winter, if you sat down, you froze to the toilet. In the summer, you sweated. I mean, it was, it was bad. Okay, God, what are you doing? All that to say this. The puzzle pieces that I felt were out of place were positions. They were timings. That if we hadn't have walked through the position of the puzzle pieces, for one, I couldn't appreciate with what God's done, where God's placed us here. Through a season that even in that moment, we signed the lease, we started the remodel, and COVID hit. And they said, no more meeting for church service in a building. What am I going to do with 19,000 square feet now? How am I going to pay the... The rent on the building. There's nobody coming to the building. But yet, the puzzle piece that I remember God showing me sitting on a front porch. After a long day. And just sitting on the front porch in the white rocking chair. Feeling the breeze. And going, God, what have we done? And just crying. Because I felt in that moment, hear me out. Like my puzzle piece had just been tossed. And I was abandoned and alone. God, I'm doing this remodel. We're doing a six-figure remodel on a building that I, are we even doing the right thing? And very clearly, the Lord spoke to me. He said, I want you to remember all the steps, all the checks and balances you went through getting up to this point. You went through every form of leadership. 
you went through Pastor Dwayne, you went through the executive team, and they all said, in prayer and in time, they said, this is the right move. Do you not think that I would pull you into this and not have spoken to either myself or somebody and said, wait. But every time we try to put a stop sign in the way and say, let's just stop, it would flip around and it would turn green again. Even to the point that the executive team met and said, you know what? This building's not the right time, not the right season. And I had to go back to our local elders here and say, they said no. My puzzle piece has just been tossed. What do we do? And all of us, all along, my puzzle piece wasn't tossed. My puzzle piece was positioned. My puzzle piece was positioned exactly where God needed it. To hear. So we can look at this COVID and we can say, God, our puzzle piece has been tossed. But I'm here to tell you, your puzzle piece is in the exact spot God wants it to be. May not be the place you think it should be, but I promise you it's not the end. Just because he said no to something yesterday does not mean he's going to say no today. You stay and you make your petitions known. You let God know where you're at. Don't be afraid to let God know because he already does. The passion, the feelings that you have on the inside of you. When somebody passes away, one of the very first things that I go to the family and I tell them is God's a big God. He knows you're upset right now. He knows you're angry right now. And God's so big that he, knowing that you're angry right now, has not fallen off the throne. He's okay. It's a way that we process. It's a way that we go through this grieving process. There is a season to be upset. The puzzle piece is here for a season. But this is not the end result. At some point, you wake up and you realize... God, this, this wasn't you. There's a real enemy. There's a real devil. There's real sickness. There's real things going on. And God says, okay, now you're seeing me for who I am. Let's move the puzzle piece to here. And he begins to formulate what feels like confusion is position. Position and connectivity are what you need to go through this life. It's position and connectivity that you need. So tonight... Those that can make it. Those that can go there and be a part. Know that we are connecting. Not just with Victory Life. But I know of other churches that have told me they're praying for us. They have services tonight. But they know and see what we're wanting to do. Grace Place is going out with us. And we're going and we're engaging in something that's already been prepared for us. We're not stepping onto new ground that's never been tilled before. This ground has been tilled. But before it can be planted, it has to be tilled again. It's already been broken up. Now all we're doing is we're making it prepped. We're prepping it to the next level. I don't know where this is going to stop. I don't know where this is going to end. But I just know at the beginning of this year, God said, it's time to get out of the walls. It's time to stop being afraid. And it's time to engage the supernatural. It's time to step into what God's called us to step into. 
Therefore, I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling, for you have been called by God. Your puzzle piece may not be where you think it's supposed to be, but your puzzle piece is exactly where God's called it to be for the season that you're in. He's called you. But we have to always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other. Making allowances for each other's faults because of your love. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the spirit. Binding yourselves together with peace. That's what we have to have. I'm not saying that as we go out today, everything is going to be peachy. Everything is going to be perfect. Everything is going to operate the best. I want it to. My aim is for that. But I know there's a long-standing enemy that doesn't want the church waking up, the capital C church waking up and being who she's been called to be. So he's real. So what I need you to do, whether you show up tonight or you stay at your house, both are fine. I need you to pray, to engage. Wherever you're at on the puzzle board, wherever your puzzle piece is at, this is your moment. This is your time to step up and say, you know what? I'm standing in the gap for my city. I'm standing in the gap for my kids. I'm standing in the gap for my grandkids. I'm standing in the gap for my great-grandkids. The generational things that have been established in this city, that people have already said it ended today, they end today. They stop today. We draw a line in the sand. And just because we draw a line in the sand does not mean that Satan goes, yep, that's a line in the sand. I better not cross it. I promise you, the enemy's going to step right up to that line. Because the enemy knows what point he can't cross because of the blood of Jesus. But don't fool yourself. He'll toe up to the line. He'll toe up and try and tell you he's bigger than this. That he's bigger than that. But you have to remind him that it is written. That greater is he who is in me than the snake I'm staring at. Than the enemy that I'm staring at. Than the, than the, the things that come against me. Jesus is greater. And God said that I love Jesus. But I love you just as much as I love Jesus. So that gives you the authority to stand and believe, to fight boldly, to proclaim Jesus loudly, and not be afraid. To not be afraid. And in the end, he said, Jesus said, I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you. And be sure of this. This is for you. I'm with you always. Even to the ends of the age. You have everything you have need of. He's given it to you. May God give you more and more grace and peace as you grow in your knowledge of God and Jesus our Lord. Now, I want you to hear this. And I'm, I'm trying to shut up. May God give you more and more grace and peace as you grow in your knowledge. Okay, it didn't say I'm going to give you more grace. Here, he's given you everything that you have need of. 
The knowledge is understanding what you've already been given. And when you have the knowledge to believe what you've already been given, it's like having more grace. It's like having more peace. Why? Because you realize who you are. You realize who Jesus is on the inside of you. He's wanting you to grow in your knowledge of God and Jesus. It's growing in your understanding of what you've already been given. It's not growing in your knowledge of who God is. And he goes, okay, here's another cookie. Good boy. Keep following me. Come on. Come on. Another step. You're doing great. Come on. No. It's understanding who the God on the inside of you is. That the God on the inside of you has already given you the victory. The God on the inside of you has already given you the power and the authority. It's in that knowledge of understanding who God is on the inside of you. That's where that comes into play. By His divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. We have received all of this by coming to know Him. The one who called us to Himself by means of His marvelous glory and excellence. And it shall come to pass that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And it shall come to pass whoever calls on the name will be saved. There's multiple scriptures throughout that simply says salvation is simply asking. It's not by works, lest any man... There we go. It's, it's simple. It's simply asking. It's that knowledge at that point that we say, I know I need a Savior. And when I know I need a Savior, the knowledge of who God is becomes real to me. Because all of a sudden, I know He's everything I have need of. But we have that choice. We get that opportunity to understand. So with every head bowed and every eye closed. The power and the authority of Jesus Christ is at your fingertips. It's not by your works. Grace is not you. Grace is the finished work of Jesus. Grace is the key that unlocks the door to understand who Jesus is for you. So this morning, if you're in this room and you're in this moment, everything's lined up for this moment. There's nothing better. The angels in heaven, the angels that encircle the very presence of God, that same God who loved Jesus, and then Jesus says that you love us with the same love that he loves Jesus, is looking at you today. And he says, I love you in spite, put aside of, not even looking at your faults and your failures. I'm looking at you as the individual that I created in my image. And I'm telling you today that I love you to a point that I have so much more available for you. More freedom, more power, more authority, more strength in every area. But if that's you this morning, and you say, you know what, I've never accepted Jesus as my Savior. There's no better time than the present. There's no better time to finally say, I'm stepping into alignment. I know my life will not be perfect, but it's got to be better than what I'm living. 
if that's you this morning and with every head bowed and every eye closed, if that's you this morning, we're going to pray in just a minute. And when I pray and we all pray together, I'm going to be praying with you as an individual because we're lining up together. If that's you this morning and you say, you know what, I need a Savior. I need Jesus to be Lord of my life. If you would do me the greatest favor. And just as an act of faith, step number one, raise your hand up and say, you know what, that's me. And then put it right back down. Is there anybody in the room this morning that says, you know what, I want to make Jesus Lord of my life today. This is your moment. This is your time. Maybe you're here in this room and you're in this moment. And there's been a lot of things that have happened over your life. Maybe when you were younger. Maybe last year. Man, things happened. You accepted Christ as your Savior. But somewhere along the line, you gave up. You stopped pursuing Jesus. But I'm here to tell you, He's not stopped pursuing you. His faith still faces you. He still smiles when he sees you. But there's been a lot of things that have happened. And this morning you're like, you know what? I just want to make sure I'm in alignment. I just want to make sure that this morning that God, you are number one in my life. I want to step back into alignment. If you would do me a favor, if that's you in this room, if you'd lift your hand up and put it right back down. I just want to stand with you this morning. Is there anybody in the room this morning? I see your hand. I see your hand. Anybody else in the room this morning? Okay, let's stand up. Lord, I thank you. God, I thank you for a realization of how much you really love us. God, if we can begin to grasp the love that the Father has for Jesus. And that same love you have for Jesus, you have for me. You have for us. I thank you for what you're doing. Now, we're going to pray this prayer. And when we pray this prayer, I believe that Jesus responds. God's a good God that when we lean back into him and give him a big old hug... He leans right back into us and hugs us right back. He's not going to leave us nor forsake us. But this morning as we pray, and we're going to pray as a family. Why? Because when we're family, we all go in together. We all invade hell together, so to speak. We all go back and take back what the enemy already thought he won and stole. We go back in together. So this morning, I want you to repeat after me. Dear Jesus, today I acknowledge my need. For a savior. Today I acknowledge. Jesus. As Lord. Today I acknowledge. That the father loves me. Just like he loves Jesus. He loves me. He loves me. He loves me. He loves me. The father loves me. And today. Jesus. I accept you. As my Savior, as my Lord, as my God. In Jesus' name. Amen. So, so tonight, come 
ready. Come ready and engaged. Prepare your hearts even before this time. Prepare your hearts even now to say, you know what, God, I don't know what you're doing tonight, but I'm coming ready. I'm coming prepared. I'm coming knowing that Jesus is Lord. If that was you today and you accepted the Lord as your Savior, there's some things that, that I want to be able to help you along this journey. And maybe you're one of those that last week you gave your heart to the Lord. The last few weeks you've given your heart to the Lord. There's a new thing that we're starting to do. A lot of you got a weird text Wednesday night that had my name on it. And some of you went, that's not his cell phone. It wasn't. There's some software that we're putting into engagement here that helps us to let you know of things that are going on. So if, if Jesus has been Lord of your Savior over whenever, I want to help you on this journey. If you would text Jesus to 580-219-5001, just text Jesus. We're going to send some stuff to you. We're going to get some stuff out and moving towards you because I want you to know the same God that loves Jesus with the same love, loves you. If we can even grasp a percentage of what that means, your life will never be the same. Because he loves you. So, go grab food, grab lunch. I've given you a couple hours to still go do that. But I'm telling you, I woke up this morning ready and engaged and expectant. With expectancy, I know that God responds. Why? Because he loves me with the same love he had for Jesus. So, go and change your world. If you need prayer today before you leave, there's a group of people up front. And there's a team in the back that want to stand with you for whatever you have going on. Don't leave the same way you came in. Tonight, expectancy, 6 p.m., whether you're in the park or you're at your home, we're going in and we're taking back what the enemy's stolen. So be ready, be prepared.